the show the establishment warned you about. That's right. This is the Dr. Thomas Show. Thank you for joining us once again from the free state of Florida. Broadcasting from Tampa, Florida, from Echelon Health Studios. We're glad you're here. We are pushing it back against the frontiers of ignorance, as the great Walter Williams used to say. And today we got a packed show. And uh, one of the things that has happened most recently is that Joe Biden has been found to be in possession of classified documents. And you've all heard this recently. And what you've not heard, though, potentially is the reasons why. And we're going to get into that today. And also going to talk a little bit about some of the uh, gaslighting that has taken place over gas stoves. Uh, they wanted to ban gas stoves. And then they said they didn't want to ban gas stoves. And as it, as it were, you are the one who uh, misunderstood them and you are to blame. And then also we're we'll talking a little bit about some of the diversity initiatives set forth by the NFL and by the state of New York City, which have not turned out so well. Uh, Joe Biden, as you all know now, has been found to have classified documents, which if you were paying attention last year was the reason for the dawn raid, pre-dawn or was it pre-dawn? I don't know if it was a pre-dawn raid, but anyway, the raid on Donald Trump at his Mar-a-Lago lavish estate and... Uh, the, the uh, FBI agents there were, were, were in full getup with their flak jackets and their machine guns and went through all the drawers of everything of Mar-a-Lago and they found all kinds of things that Donald Trump had been secretly stashing away. And there was a lot of speculation amongst people in the media like Nicole Wallace is what was his nefarious intentions for doing this. And perhaps this was finally the key to show that Donald Trump had indeed been showing all these things to Vladimir Putin and uh, Chairman Xi and everybody else. And Donald Trump was just this terrible person. And they went through Melania's underwear drawer and everything else. And they came away with all these documents. And then they had a big go back and forth with whether there be a special master to review it and or not. And it was just the talking heads were just all excited about it. Finally, they had what they were going to hang them with. And then little little while uh, before, um, a little while after they had actually found the documents in Joe Biden's possession, a little bit after that is when the little munchkin man, Merrick Garland, actually came out and did not say that they had found anything on Joe Biden, but then announced this uh, special counsel was now going to investigate Donald Trump again. Uh, Donald Trump's going to be investigated for having the the uh, classified documents at his office, and we still don't know yet, you know, is this going to be what gets him? Is he going to be indicted? Is he going to be banned from office? We were we were waiting in bated breath. And this whole time, apparently, Joe Biden, unbeknownst to us all, had secret classified documents at his think tank. Get this, Joe Biden had a think tank at uh, University of Pennsylvania. Apparently, Joe Biden had a think tank. Uh, that's interesting in and of itself, but either way, there was a think tank apparently in Joe Biden's name. And at that think tank, I guess Joe Biden maintained an office. It's not known, uh, what they were thinking about there, but, uh, apparently he had some secret documents there. And then later on, we found out Joe Biden also has secret classified documents where in his garage. In the garage that was uh, also housing his Corvette. And uh, he had a back and forth with uh, Peter Ducey about that. And Peter Ducey was giving him 
a little bit of flack about that. But what we now know is that uh, later now, this has been a couple days since this has happened, Merrick Garland has appointed a special counsel named Robert Hur, and this is guy is going to investigate Joe Biden. This is from Breitbart. Special counsel Robert Hur worked with Rod Rosenstein. You remember him? Rod Rosenstein was the guy who was put in charge of the Justice Department when uh, Jeff Sessions, the most ignominious uh, attorney general in the history of the attorney generals, uh, recused himself, basically made himself completely uh, irrelevant in his own position as attorney general and held that irrelevant position for two whole years. Uh, Jeff Sessions, who recused himself because he didn't want to be seen as being an impropriety, that he had apparently spoken to some Russian or some Ukrainian that some every other person in Washington, D.C. had also spoken to. But because Jeff Sessions was a little bit naive, a little bit weak, vulnerable, apparently, they found out that he had also talked to this guy. And then they said, look, Jeff Sessions, you uh, you you spoke to this Russian or this Ukrainian, whoever it was. That makes you an accomplice or potentially uh, tainted. And you cannot look into this investigation that we have into Donald Trump. And now you must recuse yourself. And Jeff Sessions said, okay, I'll do it. Because that's the way Republicans do it. They're wimps. And they rolled over. And Jeff Sessions recused himself. And Rod Rosenstein became in charge. So that's who this guy worked with, Rod Rosenstein. It says, Special Counsel Robert Hur appointed Thursday by Attorney General Merrick Garland to probe Justice or probe President Joe Biden's mishandling of classified information, was among those at the Justice Department who had knowledge about the Russia hoax perpetuated on former President Donald Trump. According to a Justice Department document, Hur is a former DOJ official who, quote, handled, participated in, or had personal knowledge of the FBI's relationship and communications with Christopher Steele who authored the infamous dossier that paved the way for the Russia hoax. Her began his career by clerking for the late Chief Justice William Rehnquist after graduating from Harvard and Stanford. Her was then hired as the principal associate deputy attorney general, serving as the top aide to Rod Rosenstein, the deputy attorney general under President Trump. Before that, he had also been assistant, special assistant, get this, Christopher Ray who was leading the Justice Department's criminal criminal division at the time and went on to become FBI director. So here we go. This guy's pedigree, special counsel Robert Hur. This is the guy who's going to put the screws to Joe Biden. This is the guy who was picked, special picked by uh, Attorney General Merrick Garland, who was passed over for chief or uh, for uh, Supreme Court justice by the turtle back when Barack Obama was still at the White House and uh, Merrick Garland basically didn't get his shot to be attorney or chief judge or I'm sorry, uh, Supreme Court justice. So then he was appointed the attorney general. And so now here he is and he's appointing Robert Hur, the special counsel. And this is the guy who we're to believe is the objective, uh, probably as tough as as Durham was. You remember Durham, the special counsel Durham, who was going to find all of the different things that they did that we know that they did. That everybody knows that they did, but he was going to be able to find the legal, the legal uh, uh, pitfalls that, that, that befell Donald Trump and then finally to vindicate Donald Trump. Anyway, so Robert Hur is a former clerk to Justice Winquist, 
Rehnquist, and then serving as a top aide to Rod Rosenstein, and then he had been a special assistant to Christopher Ray. So this is the guy who's going to be the one to really be, you know, kind of like the old uh, the old uh, sheriffs and the old westerns that you used to see the the gritty guy, the guy that was just out there to he was just uh, he he was he was rough around the edges and he was. But all he was concerned about was justice, and that's who this guy is, Robert Hur. He's gonna be he's gonna be the one to get Biden if if Biden's to be gotten. That's to be that's to be said. Uh, that's that's to be uh, found out yet. If if Biden did anything wrong, I mean, because as we're gonna find out later, perhaps you know Biden. We're gonna see later why why Biden did what he did. It says Hur's appointment as special prosecutor on Thursday comes as Republicans have slammed Biden's double standard of justice. Two weeks after Biden's classified documents were unearthed at the Penn Biden Center, Garland named a special counsel to investigate Trump, not Biden. Garland only appointed her after classified documents were found at Biden's residence. This is Elise Stefanik. The double standard of corrupt DOJ and FBI, which have been weaponized against Joe Biden's political opponents, could not be more clear. That's true. The American people are now watching as classified documents are uncovered at Joe Biden's think tank and now in Joe Biden's own garage. But they have yet to see the same action taken by those agencies that launched an unprecedented raid against President Donald Trump, she added. That's true, too. So here we go. And so this is interesting because this right here is part and parcel why there are so many people who hate the government. And they think that the government is corrupt to its core. And there couldn't be a more clear explanation or example of this than what has been going on with this specific thing on classified documents. It's almost as if God was looking down and he said, you know what, I'm going to make an example of you hypocrites. I'm going to make an example of you hypocrites. I'm going to have you people, I'm going to have you people go and raid Donald Trump, make this Big to do about it. Machine guns drawn, uh, flak jackets in place. We're gonna have we're gonna have all the talking heads talk about it. All the usual suspects: Nicole Wallace, Morning Schmo, his wife, Morning Mika. We're gonna have everybody just have conniption fits about how dangerous this was and how this put our our democracy at at, at once again uh, put our democracy in peril because of the the actions of Donald Trump. I'm going to have you do all that for a couple of months. And then I'm going to have it come out that Joe Biden had documents found at his garage. And before that, Joe Biden's documents were found at the Penn Center, the Biden Penn Center, where he had a purported think tank to which he was thinking about. uh, No one knows. Perhaps he was thinking about ice cream. But so it's almost as if God is just saying, look, I'm going to make a joke out of you people. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to make it clear for anybody who's, who bothers to even open their eyes, how corrupt the Hoover's boys are and how corrupt the department of justice is and how corrupt government is. And I'm going to do this so people will open their damn eyes once and for all and not believe the stuff that they are told by the media hook, line and sinker. And they're going to actually look at uh, media with a jaundiced eye. And uh, maybe that is what's going on. Who knows? Who knows what's going on? But I can tell you one thing for sure. The media are not going to buy it. The media are not buying it. And they are going to redouble their efforts. This is from Red State, 
from Bonchi at redstate.com. CNN's latest excuse for Biden taking classified information would make Stalin proud. While you might have thought that Joe Biden illegally taking and keeping classified information for six years following his vice presidency was a scandal, CNN is here to set you straight. The legacy news outlet, which I have ensured is getting back to hard news and unbiased reporting, has a new piece out that would make Stalin proud. In it, they lay out the case that Biden is completely innocent because his final days as vice president were a, quote, whirlwind. And it's completely probable that these classified documents were just taken by accident, moved to multiple locations, including the president's home, and kept for over half a decade. Get a load of the picture they used. This is propped on steroids. So they show Biden uh, getting a Medal of Freedom or Medal of Honor, whatever it was, from, from the president, Joe, uh, Barack Obama at the time. And he's, he's tearing up. Partly to wrap itself, uh, partly to wrap up his policy portfolios, partly to tout his accomplishments, and partly to occupy himself following the death of a son a year earlier, Biden thrust himself into the work, into work in a final sprint to the mark that then appeared to be the end of a four-year, dec- four-decade run at the highest levels of government. So this is CNN. So they're saying, you know, Biden was just, you know, all these things going on. You know, he's, he's, he's packing up his stuff. He had to deal with the death of his son a year earlier, which he has been saying on and on again that his son died in Iraq. Unfortunately, his son died of a brain tumor, but he did not die in Iraq. But Biden says, insists that his son has died in Iraq. I don't know why he says that. Anyway, they're saying that, you know, it was just it was just too much going on. As Biden was busy keeping busy, however, his office was shutting down. Aides scrambled to pack up his workspaces in the West Wing, the Eisenhower Executive Office Building, and at his official residence, the Naval Observatory. See how they, isn't it beautiful how, how you can almost hear the violin in the background as they're, as they're saying this. Those competing objectives to use his office until the final minutes, even as it was obliged to shut down, made for a muddled and hurried process that left aides packing boxes of documents and papers late into the night even as more material kept arriving. You can see this. They're, they're there. They, they, they're, they're sweating at their brow. They're, they're eating, uh, they're, they're, they're eating uh, you know, greasy French fries. They're, they're, they're trying to get home to their children, but they can't. They just got to pack up all of Biden's stuff, and they, it's just too much going on. And there's that, you know, they accidentally put some classified documents into a, into a box that went to his garage. It says, you have to love the framing, you silly rubes that think these classified documents thing is a big deal. You just don't realize that Biden was incredibly dedicated to being a vice president that he was working up until his final day. That's why those classified documents were taken completely by accident and placed in his garage and at a think tank, think tank backed by the CCP. So that's the other thing that you, don't, you haven't read if you've been reading CNN or listening to CNN. This think tank apparently was was up by, um, was was established at Penn after the CCP gave $43 million to the University of Pennsylvania. Isn't that interesting? Oh, it gets better, though. Did you know that this is also Donald Trump's fault? So this is back to CNN. The looming arrival of Trump to the White House left many of Obama and Biden's aides wary of the future and eager to cement many of their accomplishments. It was an uneasy moment, according to many who lived through it. Lived through it. Here it is. It was just a really, really weird time for everyone, the source familiar said. The steady pace of official events Biden maintained in the final days made the process of packing his office more difficult, according to former aides. Each high-profile meeting required a briefing memo, often containing classified information important for the president to know before sitting down with foreign leaders. 
If it weren't for the orange man being so darn bad, Biden and his lackeys would have been rushing to their rushing to cement their accomplishments. But that's that's how those classified documents ended up next to his Corvette. And on and on and on they go. So here you are. This is this is George Orwell uh, seeing the future because George Orwell knew that the press would be there to change things as if it were minute by minute doing recalculations to see what would put the party in the best light. And this is how they do things. This is this is the uh, chocolate rations becoming instead of a deficit this week becoming. Uh, a surplus this week. This is this is the uh, the war in East Asia going so well. When last week the war in Eurasia was what we were worried about, and East Asia was our ally. This is what they want you to do. They just want you to sit down and read through this and absorb it and just be good little party members. But this is the thing: is like I said earlier on, what God is saying. God is saying, look, look at the stupidity of uh look at look at how stupid you have to be to believe the garbage they are pumping to you if you believe this then i'm going to flood you again is what he's saying and uh i hope he doesn't flood us again because i don't believe it i know a lot of people out there listening don't believe it so biden's keeping stuff in his garage he's keeping stuff in his think tank at upenn And now they're going to have a special counsel that's going to investigate and get to the bottom of all this. What is the odds that the special counsel is going to find anything except for, like the CNN says here, complete and utter just, uh, you know, mistakes. They were just, they were good-hearted mistakes. As I said, Joe Biden is dealing with the death of his son. He was, he was busy. He was, he's, he's a workaholic, as we know. He's, he's been working for us now for he spent half his half his life in or more in in the in the civil service as it were he's he's been he's been a, a warrior for the american people working for voters ever since he got out of college ever since he lied his way through uh, law school and uh, plagiarized so this is joe biden and up until his very last days as vice president he was just so busy and that's the only reason that the um, the stuff ended up the way it was and who knows if that's not going to be exactly what comes out of it is, you know, is Robert Herr going to be able to look at this stuff as a completely objective prosecutor or is Robert Herr going to look at this as the aide to Rod Rosenstein, the buddy to Christopher Ray, the highly connected uh, attorney that he is? And is he going to be able to say, well, you know, Joe Biden is the guy that is looked upon favorably by the establishment. Uh, maybe we'll give him a pass this time. Maybe we'll let him just get get away with a hand slap. And maybe, just maybe, this will be the perfect way to nudge Joe Biden out of the uh, contention for the vice for the presidency in 2024. That's the other thing that people are saying. Maybe this is uh, something to do with trying to get Joe Biden out of there. I don't think that's the case. I don't. If they wanted Joe Biden out of there. It would not take if they wanted Joe Biden out of there, all they'd have to tell is Joe Biden to leave. Because the only way only reason Joe Biden is there is they told is because they told Joe Biden he could stay. They told Joe Biden he could stay. He was in the in the twenty nineteen or twenty twenty, whenever the uh, uh nomination was was coming to an end for the Democrat or or I'm sorry, when the nomination was still up in the air for the Democrat nomination, Joe Biden was 
Joe Biden was an afterthought. He'd been blown out in New Hampshire. He was he was seen as old. He was seen as even uh, even as he, as alert as he was back then. He was seen as confused, and compared to now, he was it was night and day. But even then, so he was seen as confused even then. It was only because he was plucked by the establishment, the Democrat establishment, the donors, whoever runs the party, and James Clyburn nominated him essentially by saying, everyone go out to vote for Joe Biden. And he won South Carolina. And the days before South Carolina, Elizabeth Warren dropped out. Pete Buttigieg dropped out. And the only person who stayed in was uh, our, our Red Bernie, Bernie the Red. Bernie the Red stayed in. And anyway, Joe Biden won the South Carolina nomination. And he was told that, okay, now you're going to be our guy. And we're going to, we're going to, we're going to run you for president. And we all know how that turned out with the, with the voting and everything else. And the, um, you know, the, the millions and millions of votes more than anybody else in history, most popular president in history. So if they wanted him to leave, they could just tell him to leave because they told him to stay. It, he was made by the Democrats. He can be taken out by the Democrats easily by just saying, step down. They don't have to go through all these shenanigans. But what happened was, is this is what potentially has happened is that the House of Representatives now are going to start looking into government malfeasance. And they knew now that this was going to happen. They knew that the, the FBI was going to, well, not the FBI, Hoover's boys. Hoover's boys were going to come under a microscope by the Republicans in Congress who have promised now that they were going to be a little bit more, uh, let's say, uh, a little bit more ballsy. They're going to go after... Uh, they're going to go after the Democrats a little bit harder than they have been in the past, and they're not going to play softball as much. And so they were going to start looking into government corruption, Hoover's boys, things of that nature. And they knew that they, they knew they had found this stuff in the Penn Center. So they said, well, damn, we got to go look around Joe Biden's other places and see if we find anything. And they found some more stuff. And who knows how much other stuff they found? But they found some stuff in Joe Biden's garage. And then when that came out, then they said, well, we have to we have to save face. We have to we have to pretend like uh, we, we've just found this out. And now we're going to treat him exactly the same way as we're treating uh, Donald Trump. And we're going to appoint a special counsel. And then the media is going to fall in line and the media is going to do everything they usually do. The Praetorian Guard. And they're going to protect Joe Biden, in which they've already done, as you see. And so that's where we are. So we'll see what happens. My guess is that nothing will happen to Joe Biden. Uh, will this make Joe Biden go away? Possibly, possibly not. The only way it makes him go away, I think, is if it becomes too much of a nuisance. But we can always rely on the media to sweep things under the rug, as there's already done. It very well may be that this Robert Hur may find out by tomorrow that there was nothing done uh, except for just a, you know, simple mistakes and uh, away they go. For all we know, and I don't know if this is for sure, but all, for all we know, Robert Hur is going to be the wolf. The wolf, like in uh, in Pulp Fiction. He's going to show up and he's going to say, look, you need to do this, 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 and we're going to make this all go away. Who knows if that's going to happen? I'm not saying that's for sure, but that's what happens. That type of thought happens because of the history of the Hoover's Boys and the history of the Department of Justice. That's what you get when you do things that you've done, when you pursue a president as doggedly as you did for purely ideological reasons, like as you did Donald Trump, when you use Donald Trump 
as a cudgel against the voters, as you have done, when you say that anyone who supports Donald Trump is a is a what do they call them a adjacent uh, fascist adjacent or whatever the terminology was that uh, Sleepy Joe used when you when you say it, when you when you do all the things that you do when you say when you have a political uh, when you have a political protest that it is an insurrection I'm not talking about the the people who stormed the Capitol I'm talking about just people who showed up that day to uh, to protest the uh, the counting. Who, who were to protest the whole election thing, they're called insurrectionists in the minds of the media, in the minds of the left, but I repeat myself. Anyway, when you, as a government, treat people that way, that's why people like myself have questions about whether Robert Hur is going to do the job he's, he should do. And it's up to him now to do that job. If he's going to prove to himself to be completely above board, if he's going to prove that he is uh, a uh, an unbiased prosecutor, he's going to be fair, then he must do the right job. But we will see. We will see. It will be interesting to see how his investigation, investigation goes compared to the investigation of Donald Trump. Either way, it's not going to matter because uh, I, I don't think there's any way Joe Biden's going to see anything other than uh, – a, a uh, they call it a he's, he's going to be exonerated. So the other thing that happened recently is they started talking about banning gas stoves. So this is uh, this came out a few days ago. It says, uh, is Joe Biden planning to ban gas stoves? What we know and what we don't know. This is from Newsweek. This was from the 11th. OK, two days ago. Is Joe Biden coming for your gas stoves? It seems not, at least not yet. But the mixed messages coming from the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission and a Biden-appointed commissioner have people left, have left people wondering. Richard Trumka Jr., who was nominated by the president in 2021, was interviewed by Bloomberg on Monday in a piece which said, in which he said that, quote, a ban on gas stoves is on the table amid rising concern about the harmful indoor air pollutants, end quotes. This is a hidden hazard, Trumpka told the outlet. Any option is on the table. Products that can't be made safe can be banned. Okay, so that's what he said, right? So that happened. People took that to mean what he meant. So this guy is a commissioner on the Consumer Product Safety Commission. He's not He's not a guest on CNN. He's not, uh, he's not writing a column in the Washington Compost. This is the guy who was appointed by Joe Biden to be on the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission. And he says that gas stoves are a hidden hazard and that any option is on the table and products that cannot be made safe can be banned. Okay, so that that didn't go over too well. It says, uh, one of this is a representative from, uh, it says Representative Gary Palmer says, over 40 million American households use gas stoves. He responded to Twitter, uh, Trumpka's Twitter statement. The type of power should never, ever been given to unelected bureaucrats, and it's time for it to end. So Trumpka responded, to be clear, the CPSC isn't coming for anyone's gas stoves. Okay, so then he's changing his stories. Uh, regulations apply to new products. For Americans who choose to switch from gas to electric, there is no there is support available. Congress passed the Inflation Reduction Act, which includes an $840 bill. So... So he's speaking out of both sides of his mouth here because he's saying that they can be banned. So he's saying, well, we're not going to come get your gas stove. This is kind of like what they did with the health insurance. 
You know, they said, we're not going to get rid of your insurance. No, 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 no. Your insurance, if you like it, you can keep it. We're just going to make it illegal to sell that insurance. That's all. So if you can somehow get that insurance without buying it, any more power to you. But, uh, you know, buying new insurance that is like yours is going to be made illegal. And that's what was done. So this is the same type of uh, uh, mental jujitsu that they're doing. And so he says here, uh, you know, we're, we're going to give you people some uh, money. If you want to switch from gas to electric, here's an $840 rebate. And we pass that in one of our, uh, one of our uh, inflation stimulus bills. And that's, that's, that's all we're saying is, look, new products only. So, so he isn't saying that, look, we're not going to ban gas stoves in your home. I'm sorry. We're not going to get bagging gas stoves in general. We're just not going to, we're, we're not, we're going to ban gas stoves, potentially new gas stoves, but we're not going to come get the ones out of your home. At least that's what he says here. And so they went on and they said, uh, you know, what are the reasons for it? So they said, well, this is, this is not good. The people are going to try to ban our gas stoves. And so what happened was uh, the media immediately went into full force uh, to try to explain away the reasons why gas stoves should be banned. And it says here, this is from um, hotair.com. It says, as Jazz pointed out earlier, this is John Sexton writing, the chairman of the Consumer Product Safety Commission issued a statement yesterday directing con- directly contradicting something that had been said Monday by one of its board members. That was Trumpka. Monday's statement was part of an interview indicating that the board was not looking at banning gas stoves. Yesterday's statement said that they definitely were not. In between those two statements, there was all sorts of activity from those who supported the gas stove ban and from those who opposed it. But the key point here is that a member of the government body with regulatory control over gas stoves did actually suggest a ban. CNN reported it under the headline, A U.S. Federal Agency is Considering a Ban on Gas Stoves. This is what it said. A federal agency is considering a ban on gas stoves as concerns about indoor air pollution, uh, indoor pollution linked to childhood asthma rise, Bloomberg first reported. A U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commissioner told Bloomberg gas stove usage is a, quote, hidden hazard. That was Trumpka. And it says here, any options on the table, products that cannot be made safe can be banned. The report said the agency plans to, quote, take action to address the indoor pollution caused by stoves. CNN has reached out to the CPSC for comment. And then it says here, Trumpka walked back that a bit the same day and uh, many were, he says, Trumpka walked back, walked back that bit the same day, but, it, but many on the left were already off to the races. All right. So what happened was Trumpka says we're going to ban gas stoves. And so the people said on the left, all right, that's our marching orders, banning gas stoves. And so they spring into who it is. But the uh, chief architect of intellectual thought of the left, AOC. And so here's AOC tweeting out a joke slash talking a point about the dangers of gas stoves. AOC on Twitter. Did you know that ongoing exposure to NO2 from gas stoves is linked to reduced cognitive performance? And it says Jackson was quick to point out that AOC has a gas stove in her house. AOC says gas stoves caused reduced cognitive performance. Yet she uses a gas stove, Ronnie Jackson says on Twitter. Is this a self-diagnosis? AOC, as a medical doctor, I can tell you this. What's wrong with your head is not caused by stoves. Something way bigger is causing your decreased cognitive function. And that was pretty funny. 
But anyway, so so AOC says, okay, we're supposed to start talking about gas stoves now being bad. So someone sent her some information to say, hey, put this on your Twitter. She did. It says, AOC is just one example of a wider phenomenon. After Trumpka's statement about a possible ban, the media was full of articles about the dangers of gas stoves. So all they had to do was say, okay, here we are, guys. Talking points. Gas stoves are bad. Go. The Washington Post jumped on the bandwagon Tuesday with a story titled, There's a Secret Pollution Source in 40 Million Homes. The U.S. may try to ban it. And then it goes on to the article. For years, scientists and health advocates have tried to bring attention to a secret source of air pollution sitting in 40 million homes around the United States, which jumpstarts childhood asthma, increasing the risk of respiratory problems and emits planet-warming gases. There you go. So it meets the trifecta for the reasons to have the state jump in. Hurts children, uh, causes health problems, and the worst of all, it emits planet-warming gases. It's the gas stove. And now those efforts seem to be gaining traction. On Monday, Richard Trumka, one of the four commissioners of the CPSC, said in an interview that the agency was considering a ban on gas stoves, or at least standards around the amount of toxic fumes such stoves can spew into Americans' kitchens. Spew. Some studies, including Los Angeles, I mean, sorry, some cities, including Los Angeles, Seattle, and New York, have already moved to ban gas stoves in certain new homes and apartments. Kathy Hochul, the Democrat governor of New York, has also promoted proposed banning gas hookups, including for gas stoves and new buildings in the entire state. So here we go. So they're off to the races. They got their talking point where they got their idea. Look, the guys, the the thing we're going to ban now is gas stoves. Uh, Tomorrow it may be guns. Uh, After that, it may be, um, you know, the, the right to refusal of COVID vaccines. But today we're banning gas stoves. So the article says your planet, your appliances are trying to kill you. They're already in your house. It says, but most interesting part of this news cycle is what happened after the CPSC chairman made it clear that no such ban was going to happen. Suddenly, the media shifted from promoting the idea of a gas stove ban to ridiculing conservatives for even suggesting the idea of a ban was a possibility. So here's the same Washington Post story after it was rewritten yesterday. So here we go back to Orwell. Orwell was in charge of rewriting history. He was in charge of changing the words that were already written the photographs that were already taken, the, uh, the, the films are already shot. He was in charge of changing all that stuff so that history had a proper uh, now party-approved uh, party uh, message. The new headline removes the word ban and U.S. agency examines secret pollution source in 40 million homes, gas stoves. So before the, 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 the uh, title says, This is the title from the Washington Post on Tuesday. There's a secret pollution source in 40 million homes. The U.S. may try to ban it. Now, afterwards, they get a bunch of bullshit. They get a bunch of shit about it. And then they say, new headline. U.S. agency examines secret pollution source in 40 million homes. Oh, there we go. Same thing. Gas stoves. But the banning part's been taken out. And so here we go to the the, uh, article. The same article rewritten. For years, scientists and health advocates have tried to bring attention to the secret source of air pollution sitting in 40 million homes around the United States, which jumpstarts childhood asthma, increases the risk of respiratory symptom problems, and emits planet-warming gases. That's all the same. It's the gas stove. And now those efforts seem to be gaining traction. Okay. On Monday, Richard Trumka, one of the four commissioners of the CPSC, said in an interview that the U.S. agency was considering a ban on gas stoves. All right. At least that's the same for now. 
or at least standards around the amount of toxic fumes such stoves can spew into Americans' kitchens. Okay. And then it cuts and says, On Wednesday, the commission's chair said it would not ban gas stoves, but was researching health risks of gas stoves and possible increases to safety standards. So here we go. This whole part about uh, telling about how everyone's already starting to ban it and how it's a great idea. They're doing it in L.A., Seattle, New York. If they're doing it in all these cities, it must be done in your city too. Kathy Hochul's already doing it. She's banning gas hookups. They, they wiped all that stuff out because, see, that's no longer part of the narrative. That narrative was deemed to be a little bit too, uh, too avant-garde for the, the public to consume at this point. So they had to go back into their... Uh, to, they had to go back with the memory hole and they banned that part of the article and rewrote it. So the story was stealth edited or stealth corrected Wednesday and the same day the Post published another story, how the humble gas stove became the latest flashpoint in culture wars. So now they're going to go ahead and make you look like you're a lunatic idiot because you thought they were going to ban gas stoves. They knew they were going to ban gas stoves. So this shows you how the media works. This shows you the psyop operation that everyday media is. And so I now want to read from the, the 1984. And it says here, it says, uh, what happened? This is, this is when Winston was working in the, the records department. What happened in the unseen labyrinth to which pneumatic tubes led, he did not know, but he did know in general terms. As soon as all the corrections, which happened to be necessary to any particular number of the times had been assembled and collated, that number would be reprinted, the original copy destroyed, and the corrected copy placed in files in its stead. This this process of continued alteration was applied not only to newspapers, but to books, periodicals, pamphlets, posters, leaflets, films, soundtracks, cartoons, photographs, to every kind of literature or documentation which might conceivably hold any political or ideological significance. Day by day and almost minute by minute, the past was brought up to date. In this way, every prediction made by the party could be shown by documentary evidence to have been correct. Nor was there any item of news or any expression of opinion which conflicted with the needs of the moment or even allowed to remain on record. All history was a a pommel set, uh, scraped clean and reinscribed exactly as often as it was necessary. In 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 no case would it have been possible once the deed was done to prove that falsification had taken place. The largest section of the records department, far larger than the one of which Winston worked, work, consisted simply of persons whose duty it was to track down, collect all copies of books, newspapers, and other documents which had been superseded and, and were due for destruction. A number of the times which might be cause of changes in political alignment or mistaken prophecies uttered by Big Brother have been rewritten a dozen times, still stood on files bearing its original date, and no other copy existed to contradict it. Books were also recalled and rewritten again and again and invariably reissued without any admission the alteration had been made. There you go. Even with written instructions which Winston, which Winston received, which he invariably got rid of as soon as he had dealt with them, never stated or implied that an act of forgery was to be committed. Always the reference was to slips, errors, misprints, misquotations, which made it necessary to put right, uh, put right in the interest of accuracy. So there you go. So this is the same thing that's happened here. So someone working in the Ministry of uh, Records at CNN or wherever this was, what was it, CNN? Yes, yeah, CNN. They got the message. They said, look, you're supposed to, you've got to change this, strike this, uh, re- reassign that. And then I want you to put out a new article that says that 
how the humble gas stove became the latest flashpoint in the culture wars. And now you need to start making fun of conservatives because they are so stupid. They think we're coming after their gas stoves. <laughs> this is how it works, my friends. This is George Orwell's living hell that we are living through. Oh, and this is just a, this is, this is funny. So PolitiFact, if you ever want to know what the, if you're ever out there and you, if, if let's say that there's something going on with, I don't know, Donald Trump or something, and you want to know what is the mainstream left opinion of this, or what is the mainstream left stance on this, then you go to PolitiFact and they'll tell you. So all I had to do was I went to PolitiFact and I said, I just typed in gas stoves, I think. And this is what came up. The gas, the White House is not banning gas stoves and ovens. So here we go. These are our modern day uh, workers in the records department at the Ministry of Truth. And they said, if your time is short, this is just so you don't have to read it all. This is what they want you to know. The consumer product, this is PolitiFact. They are facts. Political facts. The Consumer Product Safety Commission, a federal agency that regulates consumer goods, is seeking ideas for resolving the risks associated with gas stoves. That sounds benign. One commissioner said in an interview that a ban on gas stoves could be considered, but the commission chair rebutted that notion, saying the agency is not seeking a ban. The agency has authorized a ban a product if there is no other reasonable way to protect people from its dangers. But bans and regulations apply only to new products, not items already in people's homes. So there you go. You should put your fears at rest. Nothing to worry about until we tell you there's something to worry about. And uh, so all of this stuff about banning gas stoves is not was not going to take place. And the only reason it's not going to take place now is because of the uproar that happened when they said it was going to take place. And now we have to rewrite history to make it seem like it was never going to take place. And that all you people out there who believed it are basically overreactors and you just need to, you know, relax a little bit and let us handle things. George Orwell was in many ways a prophet. And as people have said, unfortunately, there are some people who read 1984 as a manual instead of as it was written, a word of warning is what he wrote. So everywhere in society now, corporate society, corporate whatever you have to deal with this diversity or they call it diversity inclusion and equity except i think they call it diversity equity inclusion well this is a this is from jason whitlock he he doesn't do it the way that they do it he says it's diversity inclusion and equity and he calls it a cult and then that acronym is d-i-e die and this is uh, from the blaze Texans coach Lovey Smith, latest black victim of diversity, inclusion, and equity cult. Shotgun marriages don't work, especially in modern America. We have too many options, too much easily accessible temptation to stick with a marriage we don't believe in. Ask the Houston Texans. Yesterday, they ended their second straight shotgun marriage hours after completing the regular season, divorcing themselves from head coach Lovey Smith less than a year after hiring him. When you're a billionaire, it's cheaper not to keep her. The NFL makes all of its employees sign a prenuptial agreement, a contract that limits the divorce settlement. Cal McNair, the owner of the Texans, would rather cut Smith a 15 to $20 million check than continue in a relationship he doesn't believe has a real future. 
The Texans did exactly the same thing a year ago when they decided to annul their marriage to David Culley, another coach they wed quickly with no real conviction. This is the consequence of racial politics that corporate America foisted upon the NFL and that the NFL league office adopted without pushback. Neither Smith nor Culley got the Houston job because management believed they were the best candidate. Smith and Culley were chosen largely because of their skin color. Pressure from Roger Goodell and his top lieutenant, Troy Vincent, and the NFL's desire to avoid being called racist over its treatment of black coaches. Houston was guilt-tripped into hiring Smith and Culley. Guilt can, be a, can get a man a job, but it won't allow him to keep that job. You think Kyle McNair, McNair feels sorry for Smith and Culley after cutting multi-million dollar severance checks? No way. McNair feels like he did Smith and Culley favors. He did. Culley was a career-long NFL assistant. He was 66 when he landed his first head coaching job. The longtime receivers coach was working as a passing game coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens when the Texans gave him the job. Passing game coordinator for the Lamar Jackson's Baltimore Ravens? That's like becoming the CEO of Weight Watchers after being the vegetables coordinator for Lizzo. No, the Texans uh, gifted Cully the job. Everyone knew it, including the players in the Houston locker room. A football locker room is where false narratives die. Things that sound good on Twitter or during a woke ESPN rant often sound like hot garbage in a locker room where players just want to win games, and they really don't care about the color of their head coach. Cully inspired no one. The Texans went 4-13 last year. Cully offered no unique strategic advantage or leadership. Years ago, Lovey Smith offered a unique strategic advantage and impactful leadership. He was an expert at Tony Dungy's 4-2 defense, Tampa 2 defense. And Smith, Smith mimicked the quiet strength and poise of his mentor. Smith had a strong nine-year run with the Chicago Bears, winning three division titles and one NFC championship. He parlayed that into a two-year stint in Tampa and five seasons at University of Illinois. His last season, winning season as a head coach was a decade ago in 2012, his final season in Chicago. Lovey is now 64. He has lost his magic. The Texans hired him to satisfy the race baiters in the media. It's a recipe for failure. You can't lead 60 men in a locker room when everyone knows you got hired because Roger Goodell, Troy Vincent, ESPN Talking Heads forced ownership to hire you. Guilt and racial ideology, guilt and racial ideology are powerful forces on Twitter. The same woke players tweeting out Black Lives Matter act completely different inside a locker room. They want to be led by dynamic coaches of any color. The media race baiters have emasculated black coaches. They have turned them all into sympathy hires. Everyone, including the black players, is suspicious of a black coach's qualifications and competence. That's the consequence of pervasive, pervasive diversity, equity, and inclusion movement. It's 10 times more damaging than the affirmative action. That's why I call it the D.I.E. It's the death of black male excellence. And it goes on to say that, you know, this this is not going to do anything except destroy people's ability to uh, uh, be seen for anything other than what their skin color is, which is exactly true. It says NFL doesn't have a problem with the color of Brian Flores skin. It has a problem with his attitude and the attitudes of generation of young people who feel entitled. The world doesn't owe men regardless of color anything. So we have here Jason Whitlock, who was, who was black, writing about uh, the problems with diversity, equity, and inclusion. That's how they say it, diversity, equity, and inclusion in the NFL. But he's completely right, is that 
they they really didn't do any anybody any favors here. All they did was satisfy the the um, I guess you call it the uh, anxieties of of woke people of liberals, likely white liberals mostly that are that are really worried about this. And in the end, when these white liberal worries, these anxieties were met by hiring uh, Smith and Cully. Who, who 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 benefited from that? Smith and Cully got a temporary job out of it. They got, I guess, they got paid severance pays. But is that what they would, when they joined? Did, did Lovey Smith want to join just because of his skin color? Did they want him to hire him just because of his skin color? It is uh, something that we as society have to get get to the bottom of because the government is not going to get to the bottom of it because the government is a reflection of society. And if society believes that there continues to be this necessary uh, fixation on the skin color of people, it's only going to get worse because now we're going to have to be fixated on their genitalia. We're going to have to be fixated on um, uh, all kinds of different things that absolutely have have nothing to do with the, the job at hand. This is a this is from this Tracy just sent me this this morning. This is from this is from our lab. This is our lab um, partner, right? These are the people who we draw blood here in the office. We send the blood to this company. The company analyzes the blood. That's all they do. They analyze the blood. They send us numbers on the blood. That's all they do. That's the only job. And you need to know if it's a male or a female, because despite what you may hear in the media, there's a difference between males and females. And you need to know what the age is because sometimes there's difference in ages. And depending if you believe it or not, you need to know the race. There's, 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 uh, there's some controversy about whether that's even important to know because they say uh, African-Americans or black Americans have a different uh, kidney filtration rate potentially than white Americans. And how you even describe who's black or not, who knows, you know, because because of the you know mixed racial biracial people whatever the case is anyway so basically you need to know their age and you need to know their sex you need to know their gender you need to know were they born a man were they born a woman not if they're wearing a dress right now not if they are not sure you need to know is this does this person have a x and a y or if they have an x and an x and then what is their age how long have they been around well here we go dear valued customer our lab will be launching additional patient demographic fields beginning January 18th, 2023. When entering a new patient into our lab manager, we'll now see the following demographic fields. You ready for this? Okay. Ethnicity. Like I told you, sometimes they want to know what their ethnicity is. Hispanic or Latino, non-Hispanic, blah, blah, blah. And the next, next ethnicity, race. Okay. So because race is different, I guess. So now you have to know if they're Asian American, or I'm sorry, American Indian, Asian, black, native Hawaiian, white. Okay. Next. Sexual orientation. Are you ready for this? In order for me to send blood work, they have to know this about the patient. In order for me to know, does this patient have an infection in their blood? Does this patient have a uh, a good filtration rate? Does this patient have uh, abnormality of their thyroid? This is what I need to know. Sexual orientation. Bisexual, lesbian, gay, homosexual, straight or heterosexual, something else. Don't know. Choose not to disclose. Oh, it gets better. Even more important, gender identity, female, female to male, FTM, transgender male, trans male, gender queer, neither exclusively male nor female, 
male, male to female, MTF, transgender female, trans woman, and blah, 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 on and on and on and on. And it says collection of race, ethnicity, and gender qualifications will be mandatory in New Jersey starting January and optional in all other states. Uh, this information is critical to addressing issues of access to care and quality of care at public health. This is it. I mean, this is it. Unless you push back against it, you as a general population, unless you vote for people who don't believe in this crap, unless you um, unless you make it known through other means, telling your friends, educating your family members, this is the kind of thing. And it, and it, it starts off and innocently enough. You know, oh, we just want to give people a chance. Uh, we want, we want to, uh, we want to make sure no one's being left out. Uh, we, we, we don't want to discriminate. And then it turns into things where you're hiring people based on their skin colors. You, you're, you're demanding to know what people's uh, sexual orientation is, who they like to have sex with, uh, what their gender identity is, just to get uh, basic blood work done. And who knows what the end will be? There's, there's really. If you were to sit down and think about it, there is nothing that the the type of people who are behind this, there's no limit to their imagination. It, it will truly boggle your mind what they come up with. Uh, this is a little bit more about diversity update. This is a from PG, pjmedia.com. It says, ex-Uber driver who murdered eight people in New York City was in the U.S. on a diversity visa. Uh, this guy... He looks like a real sweet guy. Anyway, after he was admitted to the United States on diversity via diversity visa, Seifulo Seipov demonstrated his gratitude to the land that welcomed him by murdering eight people in New York City on Halloween night in 2017 by driving a truck along a bike path. Now, all these years later, he is finally on trial. On Monday, he showed that he was not in the least repentant. As far as he's concerned, he has no reason to be. He sees himself as a soldier in a war that only one side admits is being waged. The lessons here are right on the surface for anyone who wants to learn them, but whether or not anyone in this administration has any interest in doing so remains doubtful. It says here, Sapov's attorney, David Patton, said, As he sit here today, he still believes that, and he still believes the ISIS messaging, and he still believes it was God's will that he did what he did. This was in line with what Sapov said at a pretrial hearing back in 2018. The judgments that are made here are not important to me. They are not Allah's judgment. The Islamic State, in order to impose, into, in order to impose Sharia on earth, is leading a war. He explained that this war was not being waged to gain territory economic power, but in order to impose Sharia on earth. And it says here that uh, this guy got into... United States on what's called a diversity visa. It says here, uh, the worst revelation from this gleeful and unrepentant jihadis murder trial is the fact that Sapov, who drove for Uber in Patterson, New Jersey, before embarking upon his jihad, quote, came to the U.S. on a diversity immigrant visa, which allows people from other countries with low recent immigration to apply for a visa and green card, according to the Department of Homeland Security. He later became a legal permanent resident. So this is, uh, this is, it says, we're constantly told diversity is our strength. Sapov was given yet another reminder that this isn't necessarily so. Bring in enough people who think that they have a responsibility for the creator of the universe to do violence to those who believe in other deities and you will have a diverse society, all right. 
but one that is scarred by ever-increasing violence. And here we are, celebrate diversity. This is it. I mean, this is... A lot of these things all tie together. It doesn't seem like they do, but they do. When you look at when you look at the uh, this obsession with the left, with skin colors, with representation, with uh, righting wrongs, perceived wrongs, you know, this is when you when you when you make decisions that aren't based upon logic, but rather based upon whatever your internal anxieties are about whether it's about your own uh, your own uh, prejudiced beliefs or whatever the case is, whatever your warped sensibilities are that make you think that the most important thing about a person is uh, their gender or their skin color or their sexual orientation or whatever they do with their genitals or don't do with them or if they've cut them off or not. If that's your, uh, the, the predominant thing that you look into your life is the way you're going to structure society, you get, you're wrong. And then if, if you, if you don't believe that, but you don't recognize that these people are out there, these people are on the left. These are the powerful people making decisions. These people are out there in, in Biden's administration right now, writing decisions and they're writing decisions upon all kinds of things. And all of their ideas run in a similar wackadoo fashion. And you're going to, you're going to see the, the downstream effects of this. That's why you have to be on the lookout for it. This is why you have to take things like this seriously. And so when people say, oh, you're being silly there, that's, that's not going to happen here. That, that'll never happen here. I just remember back, you know, when I was a kid, my dad complaining about, you know, they were trying to limit the amount of water in your toilet and amount of water that comes from your, from your, uh, from your um, shower. And he was saying, you know, this is, this is the beginning of it. This is where it starts. And who knows where it's going to end? Who knows where it's going to end? We know where it's tried to end. We know when they tried to end it with us by controlling us down to the, to the, to the level of how many people you can have for Thanksgiving. It's a miracle that we escaped that. And it's only because of certain states. Honestly, believe that if it wasn't for people like uh, Governor DeSantis doing the things that was done to, in order to push back against this uh, extremism that was taking place, then the whole country would have evolved even further quickly into the uh, leftist utopia of, uh, of a China or something like that. Because that was the way, if it wasn't, hadn't been for DeSantis and some of these judges, uh, some of the lawsuits that were brought, the march was always onto more and more totalitarianism having to do with COVID. Whether it was masking, whether it was mandatory vaccinations, whether it was restrictions on your uh, travel due to passports, that's what they want. And you have to be ever vigilant against it. And if you're not, believe me, you and I will soon be uh, uh, fighting each other over rice, uh, over a basket so we can gather rice in the, as we stand in the puddle next to each other. Uh, that's, that's the end point of it. That's it for today. Go to drtommy.com slash podcast for more Dr. Tommy shows. And until next time, we will uh, see you later. Bye-bye.